This episode is sponsored by Kokako Organic Coffee Roasters. Unhappy with the unavoidable carbon in their supply chain, Kokako decided in 2016 to become one of the first carbon-neutral coffee roasters in Aotearoa by offsetting their emissions with the Fair Climate Fund. Find a climate-neutral bag of beans for home at kokako.co.nz. Welcome to How to Save the World, I'm Waveney Worth. I'm Tim Batt. And today we've got Glenn Herod with us, founder of Happy Cow Milk Company in Christchurch. Welcome Glenn. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you all the way from Christchurch and I am pretty excited to hear what you've got to say to us today because we've we've covered off a few things in this episode, uh, this uh, podcast around farming. We're always talking about farming because it, 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 the whole ethos of this show is how to save the world and for us as people who buy stuff and might not necessarily be the people making our own food, we want to know where it comes from and we're just starting to really understand that if we want to change the the direction that we're heading as a planet that it seems to just always come back down to farms farming farmers <laughs> carbon <laughs> carbon cycles nutrient cycles nitrogen cycles um and then you've got people like yourself who've given it a good crack and you've just got so much to to share well it's been a bit of a yeah, journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you want to do you want to start with your journey? You yeah. um, you got into it in twenty twelve. Yeah, well, I grew up as a dairy farmer, and um, I got sick of dairy farming in about two thousand and four, and I left and just worked in town for about ten years, eleven years. But I always kept coming back to why dairy did you get, farming. Why did you get sick of it? Oh, it sucked. <laughs> just uh, just early mornings. It's just the the thing that I was in Southland at the time, and what we the the dairy boom had just taken off, and people were coming down buying a sheep farm, and they put a cow shed on it, double their money, and do it again and again and again. And farms were just getting big, and I just just didn't like the way things were happening. Um, it was really hard to work on a dairy farm. They long hours and I just didn't like that life and I, I my parents had a dairy farm and they decided they wanted to retire and we sort of talked very briefly about me taking over the farm and I just didn't really want to mm. <laughs> I'd probably be a multi-millionaire now if I'd done that <laughs> you weren't the only son were you <laughs> well I also had my sister so I could have taken over the farm and then but my parents would have had to scrimp and save and everything like that and I've sort of watched them you know, work over their career to, to own their farm and everything. And I sort of felt they should retire and, you know, enjoy their retirement. So, um, yeah, my sister and I are poor now, but anyway. <laughs> Your parents so, have managed to enjoy the fruits of their labor, though. They're, they're retired on the big house and at the top of a hill in the south. And so, yeah, but um, no, I, the industry just didn't appeal to me. Yeah, so anyway, I started renting uh, renting washing machines and fridges and stuff with Mr. Rentals. And that was really good to learn business and marketing and sales and, you know, making the phone ring and, and things like that. But I wasn't passionate about it and I always wanted to change dairy. And I felt I've always been a dairy farmer. And I just sort of, when I got out of the farming sector, all my friends started to be now townies. And they didn't know that I was a dairy farmer. And you started to hear what people Ooh. actually thought about dairy farmers. That's because so I think. Previous to that, people would know that, oh, yeah, Glenn's actually a dairy farmer. So <laughs> probably You got didn't. an edited version of yeah, what? Oh. Yeah, probably didn't hear what everyone really thought. But now. So, what did people think? What was the oh, comment? Was, it, was, it was things like 
you'd meet a an older lady somewhere and you'd, she would say, oh, my, my grandson has just started working on a dairy farm and it's the worst thing he's ever done. He hates it. He's been worked so hard and all this sort of stuff. And Or you'd talk to teachers and they'd say, oh, it's the dairy farmer workers, all their kids are coming in and they move so often, they've only here for a couple of weeks and then they, they move jobs and then the next lot come in because there's such a high turnover of dairy staff. And it was, you know, just all, all through it, um, people just, just negative vibes about the dairy industry. And I just sort of got this sense, and I kind of really knew it, that dairy was going down the path or the wrong path and it was going to start to get quite... Um, unfashionable so that was around 2004 2007 and i remember saying this to a group of dairy farmers once and they sort of all laughed at me and they and they said what are you are you kidding me they said the school's twice the size and then the economy's booming everything is booming because of the dairy industry and it's true you know um the sheep farmers now retired to cromwell and with a million bucks in the bank and all that sort of stuff what everything is perfect and i was saying no i just it's not the tide's turning here and i think you guys are going to get in a bit of trouble but in 2006 that was unheard of and it was about that time I started looking at how we could do dairying different and the thing that really gets me is how farming is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and it used to be you could start with a small little herd of cows or a small farm and your family could live on it and it's probably the same sort of vibe that's happening in every industry you know you can't the little corner store now probably doesn't you know support a family anymore and even as having a job one one working partner and you only have to two working partners but this is sort of happening in there in dairy and to go dairy farming you really needed to either have parents or you had to already have money mm. and so that's really how i was looking how could we start milking with maybe 50 cows that was um, the size my uncle started with it used to be so standard yeah 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 well i mean new zealand's got the biggest uh, average herd size in the world it's around 400 cows and is that to do with scale uh, yeah, economy scale. of scale yeah, yeah yeah so new zealand's always been very good at getting economies of scale um, if you go into america and the uk or the us no sorry um the eu you know it's around 90 cows is the average um but a lot of them are not profitable either so um mm. we can get, talk about that later but so this is why I started thinking, well, you know, why do we need this big million-dollar cow shed? Maybe if you could just have a little mobile cow shed. Why don't we, you know, just thinking how to do it differently. And eventually I decided, right, I'm, we're, going to, uh, we're going to do it. And I built this mobile cow shed and I bought seven cows. And then one got Yoni's disease and died, so now I only six cows. And I built, I didn't know how to process milk, so I built a little milk processing plant of a little in a trailer there would be a reason people would not build a (laughs) (laughs) well it must have been a huge learning i was like um i picked the the mpi inspector up from the airport and he's been in the industry for like 40 years and he said so what what dairy experience have you got dairy processing experience i said oh none he says have you looked at a dairy no he said have you worked in a plant before i said no he said have you visited one? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, basically, we, yeah, it was a real big learning experience. But actually, that was really good. It's actually good to come at something from, with complete ignorance mm. because then you not you haven't got a preconceived way of things how things should be. Was mm. one of your um, motivations for going down this enormous journey um, to, to try and cut plastic out of the process? 
Um, I knew that that was that's a path to get into the goal. The goal is I just want ordinary people like myself to be able to be successful. So why couldn't you just give your milk to a factory to process it? Well, no one will. Oh, because I mean, of this, you could, because it's too small. You could no, yeah. Well, now what I, problem I was to, it um, solving? I spoke to Fonterra. What we wanted to do is how do we drop the cost of setting up a dairy farm so ordinary people can do it? And so I went to Fonterra and I said, "Hey, I've got this mobile cow shed, and you know, yada yada." And they were like, mm, "You know, we don't really want to deal with him with fifty cows when we can." you know, get a standard dairy farm with 800 cows. Okay, you know. so the, these guys were like, we didn't want to deal with the smaller scale, which yeah, is yeah. frustrating. And, it, and it, the dairy industry was a little bit different back then. We had Sinlay and everyone, but no one really wanted to take my milk. So it then became, all right, I better process it myself. And also, I don't think I could have made money selling it to Fonterra, getting 55 cents a litre. I would have needed to have like 200 cows. Yeah, so back to scale again. Yeah, we're starting to get up there. So the idea was, well, let's start with 10 cows or 15 cows, whatever, and then if we can sell the milk for, you know, $3 a litre, that theoretically on my spreadsheet made sense. Um. <laughs> how, how does how does that stack up to standard milk? That's the, like what was sort of the delta um, or the markup? Um, so... Yeah, average milk's probably two dollars fifty in the supermarket, and the farmer gets per around, litre. Yeah, per litre, and the farmer gets around fifty five cents. And so you were looking yep. at a premium for your um, small yeah. farm. Part of the thing is I've I learnt through my life that I've I've got like a real problem with numbers, which is not good if you're running a business. <laughs> not Mental that, note. <laughs> not well, it's not that bad, but. The thing is, it it kind of stops me from getting a job at a bank, or it stops it actually. Yeah, it's, there's certain things that I can't do because of that, which is fine. But, um, you know, this idea that, um, I suppose it's an equality thing. I suppose that if you're smart and you've got everything going for you, then you can be successful. But what if you're, what if you've got some disability or you've got other issues or you don't have a very good, you know, upbringing and all sorts of things? How can those people be successful? And people always are successful, but it's like how do we make more and more people successful and that's kind of what drives me and we don't really talk about it with happy cow we're talking about our plastic and how we help the um you know our cow and calf thing and all those sorts of things and those are important but at the core of it it is is how do ordinary people you know have a you know have a successful life and actually make money because mm. yeah so that's just begging the question actually we're kind of we're jumping around now yeah, because we <laughs> we we're at the beginning of your story where in 2012 you, you set up Happy Cow version one mm. uh, and it all, like you said, it all made sense on the spreadsheet. You, you did your numbers, oh, which you've just said, oh, I'm not really a numbers man. So that might have been, <laughs> so, looking back. Uh, and then I guess you sort of, you, you waded right in there and you were, so, there, were, there were quite a few things that you were ticking the boxes with. One I know was you really wanted the calves to be able to stay with, stay with their mothers, which was why you, you went with the mobile unit. So you could bring it, bring it to the cows, and the little mm. calves wouldn't have to walk for a kilometre to the cow shed. That's so cool. Yeah. So, well, yeah, when I say I do have struggled with numbers, no, the numbers were fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> what happened was that, yeah, we did. We wanted to. Well, the cow and calf thing, I didn't think it was a thing. I just decided, you know, I'm just going to leave my calves with their mothers, and I was kind of embarrassed about it because it was just not the done thing. And, but that's how I wanted to do it, because it made sense. It's like, well, why do we... A cow has a calf. 
the ca- the cow feeds the calf, but why am I going to pick up the calf? I then have to find a trailer to put the calf in. I then have to separate the cow from the rest of the herd to go into the milking herd. I've then got to drive that calf back to a shed. I've got to find a shed. I've got to find some enclosure to put it in. I now have to feed it. I now have to get milk from the cow, put it into a drum, get some way of taking that drum to the calf. Let's just leave it with its mum. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, this <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Simple. Yeah, but then yeah, when you got into it, it... And no, it was cool. Like, I, I, I'll do that all day long. Like, I absolutely believe it's the best way to do it and well happen. hence the name right happy cows mm. yeah yeah like, but mm. well we were called nature matters milk company because we thought everyone cared about the environment <laughs> <laughs> i like you, you, you jump in and then you go oh, okay and you make a little pivot so you're yeah. able to obviously move with the well we're the writing this sign I've got, i'm going to take this milk to the farmer's market and you say i'm like what, what are we going to put on our sign and we said happy cows cool <laughs> and, <laughs> and anyway over um over the year people you would watch people read your sign they go oh happy cows yeah 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 and they'd ask about that and i'd tell them about our our calf thing and they're like oh my gosh and i realized it was a thing and um and of course we did uh, reusable bottles as well and hang on that's a huge thing you just say that like a throwaway comment (laughs) you did reusable bottles yeah we decided how did you how did that happen it's such a hard thing well, it's hard. No, it's not really. Well, I, well, well it isn't, it's not. It is. It's really hard for it to be economically viable. Yeah, I know that now. <laughs> <laughs> we're building up to what happened in 2018, right? So anyway, that's um, yeah. I mean, we're we're putting, we're filling. Well, actually, we we're going to use dispensers, but I ran out of money, and I thought, oh, um, I can't get, the, I can't buy a milk dispenser. Oh, I'll just stick it in bottles, and we'll because we had a, a big. Um, cafe in Christchurch wanted to buy our milk so we started with that just doing with bottles and then we just needed we had so much demand and then it's like oh no I need more calves and more cows and now I need um, you know it's just a growing business so I mean we were we were growing really fast and trying to do everything and learn how to do everything and eventually it got to that point where to you know I needed a bigger pasteurizer so I'd buy a bigger one and then I'd, then I'd need some form of bottle machine, so I'd do that. And it was always like, if I could just get a bit bigger, if I could just have a, a, a more expensive bottle machine and all that sort of stuff. And I eventually bought all this stuff, but then you get different problems. The problem was now I had to keep this bottle machine going. And I had this bottle washing machine and it kept breaking down. And... It just it ended up. I just realised that this wasn't going to scale. We had the idea of people spending a moderate amount of money to set up a small dairy farm and be and supply their local market was actually you needed to be a multimillionaire to do it. And I I visited a milk factory in Nelson, which is Oakland's milk, and they're probably the most successful local milk company in the in the country. Like eighty percent of Nelson's cafes use their milk with reusable bottles. Right, and they're awesome. And I looked at their setup, and it was like literally millions of dollars, like literally millions. Mm. Are they? Pro- is it profitable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, I think so. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. just. A, I mean, there's got to be some interesting kind of graphs showing that initial outlay to get all of that machinery. How yeah. long does it take to pay all that off, and how yeah. how much mm. have you got to be producing well, to pay all that off? They're successful, but they're. They're a uh, a very well set up family. It's a family operation. It's a multi generational dairy farm. They've got you know a significant amount of backing behind them, so they can afford to do it. 
And what, what it is is that just it really is if you want to set up a small-scale boutique dairy farm or supply your local market, you kind of need to be a dairy farmer, which means you're probably worth six mil, and then you've got to have the desire to spend you know half a million dollars to take this risk. And the, the reality is is that there's not that many people that fit that narrow description. Mm. And if they do fit that description, they probably don't, well, they certainly don't believe in doing things the happy cow way. Which, so what we wanted, oh, yeah, so we wanted to change that. So anyway, um, I look, um, we were running flat out, and I realized after visiting their factory that um, ours wasn't going to scale. Mm. I wasn't likely to get profitable because uh, I'd need to invest even more money on equipment, and I thought this is all wrong. So we decided to shut the business down while I, because I had about 100K owed to creditors, and my assets were about 100K. And I thought, right, we can sell everything and everything will be back at zero. Well, I wouldn't be, but everyone else would be. And it was pretty <laughs> yeah. tough emotionally, yeah? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah. And because this was like my baby, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you must have poured your heart and soul into this thing over the years, building, yeah. building this whole new system, this new way of doing things. Well, I just was not going to fail, basically. This is just, no, I'm not going to fail. And like I had a, a staff member leave, you know, in the, leave in the middle of... um the busy time and I remember I'd start at 4am on a on a Friday like Fridays were really busy I'd milk the cows I'd then um, went and delivered milk came back um, milked the cows processed the milk for the next day and it took I worked through the night got all the milk bottled drove it into the farmer's market came back and I'd finished at 11 it was like a 34 hour day or something and it was just like no no I am not going to I'm not going to fail it's just like no no I'm I've got customers that are relying on me and I can't just ring everyone up and just say sorry there's no milk today Mm, mm. because you say crash your business Mm. so this is the this is the thing yeah I was really determined not to fail and actually that's a stupid thing to do by the way because you're not thinking properly you're not you're Mm. not you just putting one foot in front of the other. I guess you get the deeper in that you go, the the more you've got vested and the harder it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, you've taken the risk and, you know, yeah. you've, I mean, I've got four you kids and... Put everything in. Actually, that was something I, I, you, you, on Facebook at the time, you wrote, I'm out of money, I'm tired. Oh, did I? <laughs> My kids have not had a proper dad <laughs> and I've been a pretty poor husband. I've decided to go into liquidation. Yeah. <laughs> Just bringing back the, the dark moments there. Like stick in the boot and wave. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm glad you um, reminded me of that, did I? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, that was probably right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we did. We ended up shutting down. Mm. Um, I didn't want to liquidate the company, but um, Eurofins were owed, you know, five grand or something. And they said, no, we're not going to wait for your money. I said, Look, well, you're going to sell the assets and I'll pay you. And they said, no, if you don't pay by the end of the month, we'll put you into liquidation. So uh, my accountant said it's best to go into voluntary liquidation. So I did that, and I was really livid because, you know, we could have actually, I thought I was doing it responsibly, mm-hmm. and I thought we could get everyone paid. And then once the liquidator came in, they just sold everything, which is fine. And actually, in hindsight, it was the best thing that could have happened because if um, I probably would have tried to restart using all my existing stuff, but that wasn't ever going to work. And to have it taken away and me left with nothing. So, yeah. So anyway, what happened was I did just shut it down. And my wife said, right, I'm going. I'm taking the kids down south. 
I'll be back in four weeks and you better have a job. Can I ask as well, just in the yeah. lead up to this event, had you been telling this story sort of publicly along the way of, because uh, mm. your company's had quite a bit of media over the years, were you sort of sharing um, this happy cow's story? I think I was pretty, yeah, I, I tried to post on Facebook and things, but I was pretty busy. And I wasn't <laughs> yeah, it sounds good like it, it Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I didn't really. I mean, I wasn't. I'd intended to, but we're just too busy with the day-to-day. Mm. But I think people were just starting to hear about us and, you know, like what we were doing and stuff. But I don't think they... No, it was a shock to a lot of people. They're thinking, mm. like, you, you see these companies that's growing, everyone wants it, there's so much good vibe and mm. stuff, and then, oh, you're shutting your doors? Mm. I know, because I guess people like us too, Tim and I, we we cling on to these stories and think, oh, great. <laughs> you know, there's a producer that we're able to... We know it's ticking all the boxes. Mm. And, yeah, it is. It's gushing when you hear it, it not working. This episode is brought to you by All Good Bananas, 100% New Zealand owned and operated. All Good Bananas leave a better taste in your mouth because they're certified fair trade, helping the grower communities in Ecuador. They're a small business trying to make a big difference. All Good Bananas are good for growers, good for the land and good for you. Find out more at allgoodorganics.co.nz and find All Good Bananas at your local New World, Pack and Save or independent retailer. Yeah, so, so it was April the 5th, have I got that right, um, where you told all your Facebook supporters that you were shutting the doors, and then what happened on that day? Uh, what, what year are we now? 2018. Cool. Last year. Was it? Okay. <laughs> April, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, um, basically it got to the point where I just couldn't, I mean, I, creditors owed me money, I had like 25k of people who hadn't paid me money. I couldn't actually fill the truck up. I got to that point where I just actually couldn't go any further. Mm, mm. And um, so uh, my wife said, you've got to shut it down, which is about, she'd been saying that for about two years. And I said, all right, I will. So I, I went to the cafe um, and I just, yeah, I did. I wrote the, the Facebook post and then I went home and not really sure what to do. Oh, I rang, I rang a, f- a few of the cafes and said, sorry, I can't deliver your milk, which lets them down. But um uh, yeah, and then um, I suppose everyone was like that sort of there yeah, was a whole heap of support. So um, so, I, it, so it, what happened on Facebook that day? Oh, so I think it went. Um, is that what you call going viral? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds. It, 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 yeah, I think it, you had an enormous outpouring of of, of people who were like all yeah. these comments, hundreds hundreds of comments. Oh yeah, offers of support. Mm. And there was one <laughs> I remember. Uh, there's one woman saying, does this mean I don't get my money back from my bottle? <laughs> <laughs> there's always one. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, so this was going on and my wife was like, finally, this is over. And um, she said, I'll be back in four weeks, we'd have a job. And of course, all this outpouring of, um, I suppose, support was coming in. And my team, you know, of, um, you know, freelancers and, and people who have been helping me were saying, well, we've got to do something with this. You know, you can't really wait. So I was, we were figuring out how to do this. Was it going to be a pledge me campaign or would we do, how would we relaunch? And Did it take you a couple of months for that turnaround? Well, there's so or? much to go on because we had the liquidation going on. So I had meetings with the liquidator. I had, I didn't, re- and in fact, I didn't really realize it, but I was pretty shocked. Mm. Mm. And long story, I knew that we were going to somehow get support from our crowd. I was really confident in that. I just didn't know how it was going to happen and I just needed to work through 
what we were going to do, how we were going to do it. And the weeks just popped by and my wife came home and I said, oh, I'm actually, I'm going to have another crack. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that was the end of that. <laughs> so she said, well, you, you best go live somewhere else. So I, um, um, yeah, I mean, well, that's what happened. So I um, then got the Patreon support going. I thought, well, let's just, I just put a video up. Uh, I work out of Biz Dojo in Christchurch. Um, they had bought our milk, and they sort of said to me, you know, you can base yourself here. We'll give you a free month. <laughs> so I um, based myself there and, um, yeah, just put a video up saying, well, you know, we're going to uh, we're going to make this work, and I can't even remember what I've said now. And the inbox just, like, it was just like, doof, 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 doof. every time. People pledging their support. Pledging. Someone's wow. pledged $34 a month. $20 a month, $5 a month, 350 a month, and it's just just my whole inbox was just wow. and it got up to you know 780 people I think wow at, at its peak and it was just like my gosh look and um that is so that, cool it's such a clear story of people able to make a difference yeah so i mean without that i mean there was so much uh, I suppose looking back on it, there's so much doubt and self-doubt, and I mean you've got, you know, you've got your family to support, you've got all this stuff. Everything is pointing towards do not carry on with this business. It's like it doesn't work. You've just proved it doesn't work. You've just worked so hard and all that. It's not going to work. You can't do this. Reusable bottles is a nice thing. No one's going to do it. Happy cows is a nice little gimmick. And this, all this feedback's coming in, and then it was those people who are actually prepared to do it actually what's keeps you going and um you know those those patreon people i don't i probably don't communicate enough with them i don't you know post enough and let them know how important they are but you know if we do carry on this and this is successful it's those those small people are going to be the they're the the ones who um who kept it going and i was like well if people are going to give me money for no reason other than they want to see Happy Cow carry on. Well, I'm going to do it. And to be honest, I just slept. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. It probably took me three months to get over it. April, May, June, July. It was. I'd go to work, but it was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Mm. Um, we're trying to pretend to analyze the dairy industry or something. You've probably broken your brain pretty significantly oh, was, in that little period, right? Yeah, I think I had, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, needed a bit of recovery to let it grow back. I yeah, imagine. well, I got some interns from Canterbury Uni, and I'd set them for like figure out how to deliver milk. <laughs> you know, what does it cost to deliver milk to a, a suburb and all this sort of stuff? And and I'd ring up, um, I'd ring up people, and actually a funny thing, I'd um, Peter Callahan from Lewis Road rang up, and he was like, oh, I just read your story, and you know, it was really inspirational and everything like this. And he said. Um, Give me your bank account number, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> he says, "Yeah, I think we'll just give you a little, uh, a little donation." <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, and I was like, "Oh my gosh," and um, so he deposited, um, you know, he deposited five k in the bank, just just like that. This is poten- potentially well, you're a competitor. He's a competitor. That is absolutely just, incredible. It is. It just shows like, wow. The it actually shows like I've heard he's a good guy. Like we are a competitor essentially, yeah. And 
Yeah, and actually, for a lot of the smaller scale dairy producers, they're actually pretty good people, like the Oakland's Milk, the Aunt Jean's, the same crowd there. They're good people as well, and Jersey Girl Organics and stuff. Generally got, you know, New Zealand business is a little bit different. Mm. <laughs> and it, um, it just seems to be such a good business metaphor for something that we're really bad for doing in New Zealand, which is just putting your hand up and going, I need a hand every <laughs> once in a while, you know? <laughs> we're so, yeah. uh, I think just by virtue of our, our national mm. identity, very siloed and put your head down, work through it, you know. Mm. But it seems like you just got such an amazing response because you got forced into a position <laughs> where you had to go, hey, actually, guys, I yeah. this isn't quite... I've yeah. been trying really hard and this isn't yeah. quite working, so I might need a bit of a hand here. And just mm. the response, this is staggering. Mm. To get almost 800 people signing up to do a monthly financial contribution yeah. and have a business competitor... <laughs> Just drop oh, yeah, someone yeah. in your bank account. Like, and I wonder, yeah. does that? I mean, I, you probably can't answer this question, but you said before about how your 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 the actual beating heart of Happy Cow is really around people, mm. and it's is there something there that people are connecting with and they can mm, see? I don't know. Yeah, I just think you just got to be honest, and I think honesty and transparency is really just so rare nowadays, um, and. I suppose when you just crash and burn, like literally crash and burn, <laughs> what else can you do? A public crash and burn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I put the Facebook post and about 20 minutes later, there's the reporters on. Hey, oh, here you're going to close down. <laughs> but it actually sounded like ultimately it, it did, even the media coverage of quite a public <laughs> failing, realistically, well, worked to your advantage ultimately because it got the word out, right? Well, I think if you're trying to save baby calves and, and the environment and things, it kind of goes in your favour. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Happy Cow version 2.0. So um, I um, at BizDojo, I'm sitting there at the coffee machine. There's the front page, well, page three or something is Happy Cow and Liquidation or something like that. And um, Roger Sutton, who used to run Sarah, uh, the earthquake thing, he's quite a, quite a, um, I think he runs power companies and stuff. And he just came up to me out of the blue and just said, oh, I think you're doing this the right way. And he said, but what you need to do is you need to, ru- oh, have you figured out what went wrong? And I said, yeah, 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 I know what's wrong. <laughs> and he said, no, no, have you written it down? No. And he says, go write it down. He says, today. And actually I was, he, and then he, he he could probably see it in my face. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, no, write it down. So I did, and I wrote down this report of what went wrong. And I just delved into everything, like our distribution, because um, our pro- our milk was expensive. Why was it expensive? Why couldn't I get it cheaper? Why couldn't we process it like this? And then I started, you know, I talked to Lewis Road about their business. I talked to all these other milk processors and figure out why we were why we couldn't make it work and it was basically that we're too inefficient at processing took too many people um the reusable bottles was too labor intensive were they glass by the way yeah yeah um filling them was too expensive the distribution was we were selling expensive milk little small amounts of expensive milk at lots of little places so it means you have to do 20 or 30 deliveries a day which means they had a full-time person which means lots of tra- um, traveling and things like that and and then i'm just thinking how could we how could we do this how could we reduce that how could we reduce that and so we basically come up with this model where well i knew we needed happy cow because that's what people are supporting me for so we had to have this this cow and calf system and our principles around sustainable farming and things we needed to have um uh, reusable packaging and 
we needed to keep it small scale. And then so I, I rang up the processors up here, got, um, Green Valley Dairies, and said, would you fill our reusable tanks and all this sort of stuff? And no, they wouldn't and all this sort of stuff. And I just figured out, well, we've got to, we've got to sort the processing ourselves. So developed this little um, milk pasteurizer. It's about 130 ca- um, liters. If you can think of um, a dishwasher, mm-hmm. think of a, a tank like the size of a dishwasher and then cut it in half. So it's a long, skinny, rectangle tank. And um, it's basically three things in one. When it's at a farm, it becomes a milk pasteurizer. So it, it sits into a hub, which is basically an enclosure. Just think of a, you know, a, a steel or a plastic little hub thing. And you, you put these tanks in there and it's controlled by an iPad. And what happens is what we're trying to do is lower the barrier of entry. So it's really milk processing by numbers. So the iPad talks you through it. So any one of you right now could go to that unit and pasteurize milk um, within the regulations. You don't have to know anything. What? So, so I, say, if I had like five cows, I could. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can literally plug five cows into it and it would be like, right, change the filter. Next. Put tank in here. Next. Put this tap onto there. Put this tap in this. And then right next. And then it'll say, right, disconnect this. Did you so, make this thing or did you source it? No, I've made it. Well, there's nothing like this. So what we're trying to do is we're using technology to mean so what i was was how do we put this i was experienced in milk processing and the regulations around milk processing so what we're trying to do is make it so that ordinary people can be milk processors and only operate within that parameters so that's what the system does this is the genius of the difference between the two versions of happy cow absolutely well part of it um so what what happens is the um our controller does everything, and the human or the the farmer is there to do things the computer can't, like open a tap or, or um, attach a, a tap and those sorts of things. Um, so they push go. This will heat the milk up, cool it down, and then we don't want people handling pasteurized milk because that's where the contamination risk is, right. and that's where the cost is. So when I analysed our milk processing facility, so much of the cost was what we did with the milk when it left the pasteurizer. So we would have to cool it down and then put it into a tank and then it would go into a bottle machine. And all that stuff had to be in a factory to make, and we all had to wear hairnets and things to make sure that we didn't contaminate anything. So we've done away with all that and we've made it so that that once you've put raw milk in our little tank, you seal it up, push start, it heats up, it pasteurizes, and then you take the whole tank with you. So it's not getting opened up. So that... To, to, to go where, sorry, to the bottling stage right no, no. from there? Or? You just take that, you put it on your truck. Yeah. Does it turn into a refrigerator at that point? Uh, not at that point. Oh, well, it, we, it'll be cooled down on the farm. And then once it's at four degrees, you take the entire tank out and put it on your truck. And the farm will drive into a cafe. And now we're, and then it becomes a milk dispenser. Wow. So <laughs> the cafe... Um, because the controller, we just put a little pump on there and um, a cafe can just start. The only way to get milk out of our tank is through our, disp- our dispenser. I feel like you were the dairy equivalent of the guy who first put a radio in an alarm clock. <laughs> you know, it was like it was just sitting there, guys. <laughs> well, it All is it took actually, was some is. genius to put the two things together well, and you've solved a is. whole lot of yeah. economic problems, really. Yeah, so the reason I've done it like this is like, Anyone can now become a milk retailer because the dispenser's on the tank. But that dispenser 
also has a digital payment system. So we've got a little a Raspberry Pi, a little um, They're like circuit a board thing. Cheap, programmable yeah. Um, yeah, computer. Yeah, and it connects to the internet. So let's say you go to your local cafe. They're using the dispenser to fill up their, their jugs for milk. If you walk in, you can go to that same dispenser and swipe your phone, and it'll know that it's you. And it'll query your bank, your your account, and when you push the button, it'll dispense milk, measure it, and then debit your account, and then go back to being the the cafe's dispenser, you know, wow. and start charging. So not mm. this machine not only means that anybody can, well, not anybody, but anyone with a cow and a bit of know-how and some land can get into being a, a dairy mm. farmer and, and use this yep. machine to get their milk to people, to the people. Mm. So it's not only have you done that, but you've also um, sort of democratised that whole system of how people are actually able to buy the milk in, in the first place. Absolutely. So we want to, you know, anyone... Could it be, sorry, could it be in schools? Or the... Yes. <laughs> I was just about to say, we're going to launch in schools. Oh, so now anyone can fundraise by selling milk. Oh, you know, so that's so, now. So you can be in a school, and the, you 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 might be coming in to pick up your kids, and you just buy your milk when you're there. Mm. And the is this does the school or whoever it is with this vending machine get to clip the ticket? Yeah, they'll so get like at the moment we we're planning on a school getting fifty cents a liter. That's heaps. So that's like well, it's if a you great get, little fundraiser. Yeah, well, we think the average school of five hundred pupils, if maybe two hundred pupils by bought their milk from the school that's like 15k for the school every year per annum wow without really having to do anything because we manage everything um so but what it also means is oh actually you saw the tank out the front did you see it that's the mock-up oh um, yeah yeah that was the thing that you brought up the driveway yeah 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 i've been it's at the show yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and that's the, that's it there so what it's on wheels so like i mean what i envisage and i know what i envisage won't happen but i reckon there should be kids or teenagers or something who become the milk delivery people for their street. So they just take this thing, literally push it up the, up the street and go up to everyone's door and people just come and fill their milk up and then they just go down to the next one. And um, What? You're saying that the this your vending machine's also portable? It could be... Yeah, this tank, it's all based around this tank, which is 130 litres, which is half the size of a dishwasher. So how, how much does it weigh when it's not laden? Like it doesn't have any milk in it. Oh, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look! If it's got 130 liters of milk in it, it's at least 130 kgs. Yeah, so, sure. So we have. There's a few things we've got to work through. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you put that on wheels. That's that's not a lot of effort to no, move around something. Can you imagine that eight year old who loses track of it? <laughs> well, yeah. maybe we, we graduate up from eight year olds to Four fifteen wheels. year olds or something. Okay, on the, on the, th- the thirty year old who loses track of it at the top of the hill. And you've well, got so a 130 kg missile going down. For example, though, like it, just off the top of my head i mean and and you're the one working on the business here but yeah. that's uh going to southeast asia and seeing the guys with rickshaws yeah is that what they're called yeah, yeah, the yeah. bicycle at the front like that would totally be um, oh, e-bikes yeah it, it'd fit on one of those oh yeah 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 we designed it for an e-bike if you go mm, to our website amazing. we've got a picture of a cargo bike on there hey how much do fonterra mm. hate your guts oh i don't think they do oh they didn't like the comment i wrote about them but uh the article i wrote about them but <laughs> i you wrote an article about fonterra yeah, I write a column for stuff. What, what were the cliff notes of the? Frontier? Oh, it was oh, what was it? It was it was about how oh they're all so perfect that they don't want to make mistakes because they are. If you know Fonterra people, they're really smart. You don't work for Fonterra if you're not smart. And um, 
there's just this culture of not making mistakes and they can never really in the past they have never been able to say we made a mistake or we did that wrong and I don't think you kind of just got to try stuff and know that things are going to and this is this is I think is the fundamental problem with Fonterra is they always have to be right they're so risk averse they can't break think so. stuff they they're can't. at a pretty yeah. different stage of the life cycle of a business aren't they yeah yeah so anyway I mean I had a I had a phone call from a Fonterra person <laughs> <laughs> crikey I hope we don't get one to him <laughs> no no they're okay they're the, only, cool. the only thing you've got to be worried about if it's from the legal department if it's like a PR person <laughs> scrub that off but if it's a lawyer you take that yeah. call but this is the thing it's like Fonterra have it within their power to do this I I mean when I closed down a person from Fonterra contacted me and said um, my job's basically to find out why people don't like Fonterra and I said oh well I can tell you (laughs) (laughs) has it got an hour? (laughs) yes and I I flew up here to Auckland to meet them and I I basically came to them I pitched them and I said you need to get the public back on board with dairy farmers so I said you've got some really good farmers I know a lot of Fonterra farmers they're good I said let's take my little system, which I've only got an idea of the moment, this is how it's going to work. Let's take a young person from town who are not farmers or anyone who wants to go farming, partner them with a Fonterra farmer, let them set up a little 50 cow herd and the Fonterra farmer can teach them how to farm and we'll tell their story and they can um, supply you know, the local community and it's like they become the farmer, the happy cow farmer. And I said this will, this will sort of bring people back in line with um well putting the face to to people to dairy farmers and stuff and anyway they just said oh, i didn't really didn't this really is quite strange. this is amazing to me because it <laughs> seems like you set out to make a milk company but you've actually created this it's almost a technology company oh, it sounds like like you've come up with this sort of franchisable concept yeah to to yeah. um, decentralize <clears throat> milk <throat> production and distribution. Well, it is. It's decentralizing it and um, it's democratizing it. And it's, I yeah, it is. It's like anyone can be a milk, milk retailer. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you've got, you know, one leg or whatever, you can be a milk retailer. Anyone can be a farmer. Like, you can have five cows and you can work the system. Now, you might only just pay the mortgage or the rent or something with those five cows, but it's a start because... Yeah five cows have five babies so next year you've got 10 cows oh, plus it, it allows those opportunities for people who are trying to farm in a more diverse way just yep. to have a you know have yep. some cows as well as a lot of the other things that they do yeah and that's what i've sort of learned i mean we probably went tried to do too much five years ago we, i mean yeah, we're probably a bit early but now what we're doing is we're just going to say okay farmers you don't quite have to do the happy cow way fully but let's just get you doing this and then we've got milk and reusable packaging. Well, exactly. It's almost two separate things, isn't it? It's yeah. like, because you're enabling, you're just simply by enabling anybody to be able to enter at that lower point in terms yeah. of scale. You're enabling the farmers who are trying to farm organically and sustainably a market. And that's yeah. awesome. And if other people jump on board, and they'll be on their journey too of mm. trying to do things better. And even if they're not now, that technology could probably enable them to be able to take these steps because it's safer yeah. financially. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you just got to take baby steps, which, yeah, I'm just impatient. So what is the picture looking like for happy cows now? Like what's happening with you, Glenn, and, and so the business's we've, trajectory? 
we've built the prototype. Um, I've got people who know how to do numbers. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got a good team. I've got a really good team. Um, you know, we've got lots of supporters like Melissa Clark Reynolds. Um, don't know if you know her. She's she's on board. We've got, um, you know, really good people sort of coming on board and just questioning me because, um, or, or people who are like, um, you know, who will challenge me because that's what I find Everyone, with, everyone, especially in New Zealand, will say, oh, yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, there, good <laughs> on you, good on you. Yep. But I really need people to say, are you sure about that? Like, really? And so I've got a really good team. So now we've, we've got this prototype. We've built the, the basic model that we know works. Um, and now we, we're going to our crowd on 18th of November, and we're going to ask them to uh, buy shares in the company through Equity Crowdfund with um, PledgeMe. And hopefully we'll raise $300,000. That'll allow us to, um, I'll fly to China and we'll get the first one built. And I'll test it in Christchurch. We'll get it approved by MPI. And then we will launch. MPI for those players. Oh, Minis- <laughs> Ministry for Primary Industries, the food safety regulators. Like This is really different. Like the, the idea that a pasteurizer actually moves around. Mm is not normal mm. um so, so we've, we've never had anything like this in new zealand globally is there oh, other? I think in, not even globally uh, we and that's what we've patented the the um the idea that a pasteurizer is actually the final pro, mm. uh, final packaging that's kind of novel i don't know if we can patent it but we'll try um and we've got a farmer in the north waikato it's a pretty good one and we're going to try and find a couple of schools, a couple of retailers in Auckland, and we will. I'll test it out, and we'll see how it goes. And then once we've proved that, yes, it does work, the dispenser works, the payment system works, um, it does process milk, and and investors, they all think, will people actually buy your milk? I'm like, I have no problems with that. They will buy the milk. <laughs> sounds Yeah, I think that sounds like you've yeah. really tested that Yeah, out. but no, they're so conservative. They're like, well, is someone really going to take a reusable bottle? They might do it once or twice, and then they'll say, oh, they'll get sick of it. And I'm like, eh, okay, what, okay, well, I have to show you then, obviously. So, but, but even in the previous iteration, <coughs> that wasn't a problem. That wasn't, no, no, that, that wasn't, wasn't where the issues were. No, I mean, it was probably a bit expensive, but I mean, the great thing about this is we'll be selling our milk at $2.50. So we're going to have milk in the market that has cows and calves together. It's going to be probably the same standard as organic, give or take, um, in reusable packaging. That can scale across the country and it's the same price as Fonterra milk. It's amazing. It is um, amazing. And mm. you, there's the option for that, um, the retailer to be someone like a school or a, mm. a charity group or something like that as well. And I think if you if we spread out on Facebook and say, hey, you can make this amount of money selling milk, I think we'll have all sorts of people wanting to do it. You know, like there's so many Uber drivers and Uber Eats drivers and stuff. It's the same thing. Yeah. Mm. But wow. I mean, I'd really want to... Yeah, I, well, we'll have to see what we... I mean, we sort of thought about maybe you could have to be a charity or something like that, but well, I don't know. But anyway, either way, you may as well give money to the... spread the money out to all the people rather than giving it to a handful of pack-and-save owners, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Usually we wrap up uh, episodes <laughs> of this podcast, Glenn, by saying what is the one thing you mm. would tell people um, to do to create some positive change in the sustainability space? <laughs> I'd be um, tempted to d- d- plug for you and just shell and say, buy some shares <laughs> in, your, <laughs> in your IPO. Oh, well, it, it, 
I'm backing myself, but just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah I, I think it's just like, I think we all get a little bit, um, we think we have to change the world. Um, Do you realise what the name of this podcast is? Yes, I know. <laughs> you should. But yeah, yeah, we all think we've got to do something massive. Yeah. yeah. But actually, yeah. we just have to do little things. And if everyone just did the little things. Well, it is kind of how you change the world, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. What an amazing story. That's so cool. Thank you for coming on and sharing it with us, Glenn. Oh, I appreciate you wanting to listen. <laughs> yeah. I- You've got such a classic, classic South Island mentality. I've missed it. Just like what you're doing is potentially a concept that could shake up the entire dairy industry, which is you know where we get most of our well um, I, I income mean, from in New Zealand. But I honestly believe that. I mean, I think it honestly can, but it's all about execution, and mm. there's so many things that can go wrong. But I feel like, and, and not that you will, but even if you know this and your version of mm. it right now doesn't work, I think you have seeded this idea into the mm. world now. Of mm. um, hey, there's actually a different way to do this. So even if this one isn't exactly right, maybe you'll do Happy Cows 3.0 or maybe someone will get this basic concept and be able to bring it forward. If someone else does this and I can't make it work, I think I'll... I'll just end it there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you would have uh, contributed an incredible good into the world either way. Yep. Um, but yeah, what an uplifting story. It's very cool because, you know, as we keep saying, there's, there's a, the news wants to flood you with doom and gloom about um, things in the green space and sustainability and what's happening with the environment. And it's important to not lock yourself off to that. But there's just so much cool stuff that people are doing out there, like Glenn, if you look around. So keep doing that, everyone. Keep looking around for these cool stories and buy Happy Cow's milk. Yeah. It's, I can't wait. I can't wait to have Happy Cow in my neighbourhood. <laughs> yeah, neither. I'll, I'll be one of your um, milkies. I'll get a bike. That'll yeah, be my the... contribution. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks again, Glenn. Cheers, thanks. Thanks again to our sponsor, Kokako. We probably wouldn't have made it through without them. Fuel yourself and your team with their beans by heading to kokako.co.nz. There you'll find a map of all the spots you can find their coffee brewing across NZ. Kokako coffee and beans are available throughout New Zealand.